And with me tonight is my very, very esteemed and good friend, Arik Bloom. How are you, Arik? I'm good, Was. How are you going? Pretty good. Sitting here with my glass of uh, Kunawara Shiraz. I'm ready to read, oh, ready to get into reviewing some music, actually. I, uh, I too, am, I'm sitting here with my uh, The Hero of Zero um, 2020 Grenache from the Barossa Valley. And I too am. Uh, I'm poised. I'm poised to uh, dive into some pretty cool music. Well, maybe we should uh, sing. It's our inaugural um, podcast of the uh, All Music Is Good. Dot. 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 Um, we should maybe talk a little bit about why we're doing this podcast. I think. Um, Let's do it. Maybe. Maybe I'll start off. So, like, so for for me, first of all, you know, we, you and I have been friends for. What, 15 years now, maybe longer. I don't know. But um, yeah. along the way, we've seen, <laughs> we've tried to collaborate on some things, but I reckon we maybe we've collaborated on maybe only a handful of stuff. That sound right? Yeah, it sounds right. Um, I mean, to put a bit of context into that, I've, I've um, auditioned for Waz's bands multiple times and uh, <laughs> been knocked back um, as uh, my, my guitar skills don't seem to really, uh, you know, front up as as well as they should be so this uh this feels quite timely to finally finally be working with waza i was under the impression it's quite exciting i was under the impression we weren't going to talk about that to at least the fourth episode oh shit sorry about that (laughs) sorry about that we will this will be revisited in the future it'll be quite the uh quite the scoop quite the saga i'm sure um quite yeah we'll be the saga we um so yeah we've we've worked together on maybe only a handful of projects both being in the the industry at at a very low level um (laughs) the uh a couple of the other reasons were like i mean for me i mean we're in the middle of a global pandemic pandemic at the time of uh, recording this podcast and uh i've been consuming quite a bit of music you know via podcast and you know there's some excellent music podcasts out there you know the bob left sets one comes to mind the quest love supreme i absolutely love but um there's not yeah, a thanks he- for getting me onto that. That was that's uh that's the real deal that one. There's not a heap of music review podcasts I I found. So you know, sort of trying to trying to sift through music on a review level is um there's not a lot of them. So you know, we why not? Why not? Indeed. Um, and the third reason for me was that um you know with with you know the the advent of um, Spotify and iTunes title and how we consume music these days. You know, it's really difficult. I mean, while there's so much music to listen to, it's really difficult to know where to start. Do you find? Yeah, I do. I mean, I I, uh, I tend to access Discover Weekly a lot, um, uh, which has been my sort of way of discovering new music. Um, but in the same breath, like, um, you know, th- that's really just feeding me songs and i think um the purpose of of this podcast is to really kind of go back into the album um artists no matter how the commercial landscape has kind of shifted artists still make albums so exactly we're kind of here to um really look at the album again um and 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 perhaps you know introduce you know uh, our friends or (laughs) anyone interested in listening to this to the music that we're into, um, you know, music that, uh, yeah, basically, you know, people might be aware of, but, you know, are looking for a bit more of a deep dive into kind of some of the things that, you know, turn us onto it. And um, and in, in turn, I think, uh, you know, reviews in general um, often come from a position of, uh, you know, critiquing and, and big noting the reviewer themselves. Yep. And I think we're both uh, on board here to really kind of remove ourselves and our own like you know deep opinions around um around what is good and what is not Absolutely. and uh, we're more or less looking at at um at, at, at just stuff that we we dig so we're kind of really keen to kind of keep this uh this space uh really positive yeah. and um and just just ensure that you know the music that's cool 
uh, you know, he's uh, he's getting a bit of love. Well, we're both old enough to um to acknowledge the fact that you know you get to that stage where you know you all, all music. Anyone who has who wants to push themselves creatively or put something out into this space creatively, it's it's only a positive thing. So. Um, from that point of view, all music is good, hence the name of the podcast. Mm. And, and further on that fact um, or along that point that you made before, like, I mean, just this week, you know, we've got in, we're about to review five albums and it's been so great to actually go through and listen to 10 to 12 songs on an album um, and really just, you know, re- focus on how I'm consuming this music, you know, in, a, in an album sense. So that's been really awesome. So I guess on that um, point, maybe we should get into it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So ready. we've got five albums for you this week. The first one we're going to get into is the new uh, Krungman album, uh, Mordecai. So Krungman, uh, you know, they're a musical trio out of Houston, Texas. Um, I might just uh, in- interject and um, and uh, just quickly say that uh, you know uh, uh, just more more to high. You gotta you gotta. Uh, 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 sorry, <laughs> thanks for that. You gotta you gotta go to the back of the throat. More to high. Is that how we're gonna do this podcast? <laughs> sorry, it's just uh, just keeping keeping things on, on keeping things on point. Sorry, was back to you. Correction, correction noted. Um, so, so Laura Lee's on bass, uh, Mark Spear on guitar, and DJ Johnson Jr. on drums. Um, I guess you could say the band's known for sort of blending global music influences. So, you know, their first album was out um, in 2015, "The Universe Smiles Upon You," and that sort of drew on um, Thai music, 60s Thai music. And their um, their uh, follow up album was in two thousand and eighteen, Contoro al Mundo, um, had more Spanish and Middle Eastern influences. So, um, I guess maybe I'll kick this off. Um, for, for like for for me, for those who appreciate instrumental music, and for those who just appreciate good music, I mean, I think this is an absolute cracker of an album. Um, you know, in the past, I haven't really gotten around. To listening to these guys much, but you know I've always heard good things from uh, people whose opinions I respect. But what I have heard along the way, I've really liked, and this backs it up, and and a whole heap more. I think um, the production's gorgeous. Um, the slap the slapback delay on the snare—it's beautiful. Um, there's a really um, I get that really. There's a real bad, bad, not good vibe going on with the rhythm section production. Um, and, mm. and that sort of sets up a real cinematic emotiveness, I think. Um, the songwriting's strong. Uh, the addition of the vocal chants, I know that that's something they haven't really done on previous albums. It's primarily been instrumental, but the, the vocal chants really add to, to the sound. And, you know, weirdly enough, like, I listen to this album, and even though it's like really down-tempo, introspective music, you can really see this working in a festival setting, I reckon. I mean, you know, the, the grooves totally. the grooves really in a pocket. Um, and I know this is going to sound weird too, but, you know, I, I go along and I listen to this album, but I think this type of music is sort of an, advan- is an advancement on that sort of post-Ibiza chill coming down album. Yeah, and, I, and I don't mean that. I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, so maybe I'm thinking, mm-hmm. um, you know, Air Moon Safari or something like that. But, you know, it's it's sort of advancing that sort of, that chill out sort of album. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. Know, early on, I, I feel that. Early on it was really progressive, but, you know, it got sort of corrupted and corporatized as that went along that scene and sort of lost what that really was. So, you know, I sort of get that sort of vibe from this album. But I'm a big fan of this album, Mark. Like, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out. Um, to Laura Lee on the bass, there's some really funky bass playing going on in this album. It's, it's money, and you know, you know I love that di, you know, that vintage Fender P sound. It makes me drool. It's probably a Hofner actually, but you know, it's that di sort of mid-range bass sort of sitting in the middle of the mix. It's awesome. Um, but whatever it is, I'm a massive fan. I, I love this album. I thought it's awesome. What about you? Yeah, look, um, I'm I'm pretty much in a similar boat. Um, for me, I've been I got I think I got introduced to Krungbun last year. Um, <clears throat> I was in Brisbane and I was cooking, and I I just like I was like, fuck, this is really really cool. And um, you know, 
like before I get into Mordechai, it's one of those sounds that you know there's a there's a you kind of soak in their space and i i felt on the on the on the first few records that i'd heard um you know i i, I like t- like time would pass in this wonderful way um and you just really kind of yeah basically sit inside this kind of sound that they're making so for me like the sound in general is just something that like hooks me in, in like straight away totally um going on to going on to this record you know sec, you know similar to like what you were saying about um Laura Lee on the bass I don't, I don't look I'm uh, I do apologize I don't know the names of the uh, the the players on the record but the um you know the guitar player um fuck oh, like, the tones. you know I I'm pre- I'm pretty sure it's a it's a Fender Deluxe with the reverb cranked to ten, but I'd be curious to yeah. to do a bit more research there. But there's just something about that that guitar tone to me that just like immediately, you know, says, okay, this is a Karangaman track, and um, and you know, similar to what you were saying about snare drum, you know, there's this really cool sort of um, close snare kind of vibe to it, um, and uh, and yeah, and you know. I guess more, you know, in a time where everything's, you know, multi-tracked to the wazoo, yeah. you really get a feeling on these on this record that, outside of the vocal production, um, this is a band that's going live to tape. Yeah, you know, finding the take, three parts, drums, guitar, bass, and it really kind of affirms, you know, that concept of just brilliant musicianship. So yeah. I'm I'm super thrilled to. Uh, to be talking about this this album for our inaugural absolutely um, all music is good podcast. I love and, that you uh, picked this yeah, album. I loved it. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, look, you you know you've been getting me onto all the good shit for a few years now, so I'm glad I've uh, had some sort of part in uh, your own um, musical revelry of oh, sorts. Was thanks, Eric. Um, look, I mean, it sort of feels appropriate. <laughs> it feels appropriate that we were reviewing this album in the. Uh, the event that Ennio Morricone has died this week. Um, mm, and, you know, there's sort of true. a lot of parallels, you know, with this type of music, I think. I, I agree. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's it's interesting the way our ears work um, when you hear something like uh, Karangaban's record and, you know, you immediately start to envisage the movie that it's going to soundtrack. Totally. Um, you know, uh, like, I mean, I guess... Quentin Tarantino has a lot to answer for, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can hear it. <laughs> um, you know, you just immediately go, "Oh, fuck! This would be good in Tarantino film." But totally. Like, oh, nah, Tarant- Tarantino will do something totally different. He'll never use this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he should. Um, yeah, man. So, so perhaps we can. Yeah, let's talk about a couple yeah, of the tracks. Dive, dive dive into a couple of yeah the the, the key tracks. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for me, it was a, it was a no brainer. It was the opening two tracks of the album. Like it mm. set the whole album up. First class set the scene, and then time. You and I. Oh, I love that song. It's like it was like a, mm. it was a boogie. You know, it was a slow boogie. You know, you can imagine just like shaking your hips on the dance floor. It's just a beautiful first two tracks like you know the rest of the album's killer but that that was the setup and i just thought it's the perfect setup yeah yep yep i hear that um yeah both of those really that, those were knockout um i think my ear went to um conoces de fase mm-hmm. i hope i pronounced that right that was track three actually yep that was great um which which seemed to be like the uh, if i remember correctly the first time there's uh, a bit of vocal um, in in the in the music, well, was that, that right? There was no, that there, would not be right. Vocal on, yeah. T- Ooh, time okay. you and I, so lots of vocal on that. Okay, one. time time you and I, a bit of vocal. Well, for me, um, the thing that grabbed me on Conoces de Fase um, was really the kind of, I mean, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty awesome homage to like the Serge Gainsbourg Nico kind of yes vibe. Yes. Um, which you know really kind of tapped into that that cinematic quality and that sort of sixties psych thing that psych cool they, it felt le cool psych cool psych cool yeah yeah so for me that I mean that was the one that I pegged as my as my favorite and then uh, the uh, the runner up for me was Pelota yes which was uh, track number track number six yep. um, there was some there was a bit of a cumbia vibe to it yeah, yeah. Um, which is uh, you know. Um, 
Yeah, you Look, know, in a in a Melbourne context, there's a lot of cumbia out there, and me and Woz have had you know many lengthy <laughs> discussions around cumbia music. Um, Maybe we won't so go there. I, I really dug. Yeah, we won't go there. I really dug. Um, I really dug on Pelota. I felt like it just had this kind of street party vibe to it. Um, you know, I'm a big uh, I'm a big football fan, and I just I just uh, I just wanted to go and uh, you know get involved in Pelota. From what I understand, means ball. Oh, so yeah. I was uh, I was right into that. Um, well, yeah, okay. So for me, though. Those were the standouts. I think uh, up, up, third one. If I can just sneak it in, if there is no question, I, w- I was right into as well. Um, I think broadly this record, you know, and I think you know, I, like I find it fun. You know, we'll get into the other ones later, but there's definitely this kind of um, sleepy psychedelia that's kind of shown up on a few of the records that we're reviewing this yes, week, and yes. it seems to be something that's capturing the moment. So I'm I'm keen to kind of dig into that a little bit more as we progress. Interesting, interesting. I, I actually have noted that as we go along, but um, I haven't really thought of that on a deeper context musically as a trend. But yeah, I think you're right. Um, well, out of ten, are we going to do an out of ten thing? What do you reckon? Yeah, let's do an out of ten. Let's do an out of ten. Except I, I reckon seven is you can't say seven. Okay, well I'm going to say eight souvlakis out of ten. All right, I I'm also eight out of ten, and I'm glad you you brought that up because we should probably before we go any further acknowledge our um, unofficial unofficial um, podcast supporters this week, Kalimeras Suvlaki Arts, um, possibly the best Suvlakis in Australia. Well, I, I mean, I I would I would dare say there's no they are the undisputed heavyweight champion, and um and we we would like to shout them out. Um, they don't know that we are shouting them out, so hopefully the owners there are down with this podcast. But yes, uh, Ep One of uh, All Music Is Good dot 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 is proudly supported unofficially by Kalimeras Suvlaki Art. Hit them up, go get yourself a Suvlaki. Maybe head over to um, Eaton Mall to wash that Suvlaki down with a long macchiato and some. Galactaburico from uh, Vanilla. Oh, no, you're talking. Actually, let's let's say Nikos, maybe. Maybe not vanilla. Nikos, vanilla. All right, that's, yeah. uh, that's scandalous. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you, thank you to our unofficial sponsors, and thank you for being with us from the, from day one. Um, so we're going to go eight out of ten Suvlakis on that album, and uh, I think we'll move on to the next album. Yep, let's do it. All right. So coming in at number two, uh, we're going to go with uh, Holy Hive. Uh, the album's called Float Back to You. So this album is a new release on Big Crown Records. Uh, which is Leon Michaels' Brooklyn-based label and is a de- debut full-length album from Holy Hive. So Homer Steinweiss, um, Steinweiss, uh, am I getting it right? I reckon Steinweiss, Steinweiss is yeah. right. Yeah, Homer, I always just known him as Homer. Um, Homer, yep. from the, Homer, Homer from the Daptones, from the Daptone family, like the drumming wizard extraordinaire. Um, he's like one of the driving mm. forces behind this album along with uh, young folk singer Paul Spring. Uh, story goes that... Um, you know, these guys have been doing their thing for a little while and apparently they were on a tour with Lee Fields um, and they've been playing with Soul Fanatics. Uh, they've been playing two Soul Fanatics um, who were looking to dance. So, you know, the buyer sort of is saying that they it gave birth to what they're calling folk soul. So mm. I guess... So if, I'll, I'll go with my take on it. Maybe uh, yeah, I, 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 get, I get the vibe. There's a real 70s West Coast vibe going on here, um, but sort of mixed in with healthy doses of sort of 70s Philly soul and folk stylings. Um, I'm hearing sort of elements of Mayor Hawthorne style vocals with Paul's falsetto, you know, which harks mm. back to sort of like a doo-wop, doo-wop group sort of thing with, with psychedelic influences. And it was funny, I was sort of having a listening to it again today and then I was starting to think, wow, it's got a real Brian Wilson sort of like late, totally Brian Wilson, late Beach Boy sort 100%. of, yeah, yeah. So I sort of picked up on that later when I was sort of thinking about Mayor Hawthorne. But you know, you know it's it's been all blended together with that sort of Daptone influence production. Um, there's some really lovely orchestration and arrangements on the album. Um, I think there's an over, overall sense of peacefulness across it. Um, mm. To be to be honest, I haven't completely made up my mind on whether Paul's voice carries the album. Um, mm-hmm. 
definitely works better when he's not pushing the falsetto so hard. But I feel like, you know, having dug, you know, the earlier Mayor Hawthorne releases, I think maybe he nails it a bit better and, and there's a sense of play there's a sense of playfulness that he brings to his albums, which mm-hmm. sort of carries it a bit more. Um, you know, he sort of gives that sort of throwback style a fresh take. Um yeah, and also found that sort of for me the tracks that that swung on this album worked better for me, and I wish I had a I wish there had right. been more of them. Um, mm. A more general comment um, would be that this production style that you know that that takes you know the less is more approach. I'm a really big believer in this approach, but sometimes I think that you know it's so finely analysed when they do this and and adhere to you know th- that compression that that it's used it, it sometimes it takes away a bit of the musicalness of of the of the songs um and if you compare it to like the Crumbin album which also sort of takes its leads from the less is more um school of thought um there's more air and space um and i think this album could have benefited a bit more for, with a little bit more depth and width injected into it what do you reckon yeah look <clears throat> i think um a lot of the things that you know i'm a lot of things you said, particularly around that Brian Wilson thing, um, that was immediately where my ears went. Um, I think, you know, I guess as a massive, you know, Daptone Records fan and, you know, Dunham Records and, uh, you know, all the L. Michael stuff as well, um, you know, you just kind of wonder what's in the water over there. And uh, and it's exciting. I mean, looking at the credits, it's, you know, the whole thing's, it's, it's you know, it's, yeah. it's a home of Steinwise production. You know, he's been at the coalface of that entire sound since, what, 2001 yeah. when he was a 17-year-old kid doing um, the Sugarman 3 and... Um, what, what a was gun. That cool trio, do you remember? Uh, yeah, just gun. Do you remember what was that trio? Um, we'll have to look that one up. Um, the, I, I might keep on going. You can maybe have a quick look. There was that trio with uh, Brennick and uh, Steinwein so and, and, and a Hammond player. Oh, the Mighty Chicken, Thunder Chicken, oh, Thunder Chicken. No, no, Thunder, Thunder Chicken. Chicken was, no, Thunder Chicken was the name of the song. The Mighty Imperials. Ah, uh, the Mighty Imperials. All it? right. So, yeah. so this is, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I might need to be correct to make sure that um, Homer Steinweiss was the drummer on that. But I mean, these guys have been going and basically setting the sound of this entire yeah throwback you know, second wave of soul. Yeah, yeah, the second wave of soul music. I mean, these guys are the OGs. So, I mean, you know, just personally, you know, as someone that's just loved everything that this guy has drummed on, to hear him come out and, you know, make his own record um, was just really exciting for me. And um, and also to kind of, you know, I mean, it looks like there's a, obviously quite a few writers on each of the tracks. But, I, I mean, the, the, the thing that came to mind for me as a, as a question, which I'd love to f- know about moving forward, would be, was like, you know, what what was his role as a songwriter, particularly around the lyrics? Yeah. Um, I thought the lyrics were beautiful um, and and told a real story. It, you know, it felt like a breakup record to me, um, or or it could have been a breakup record, or or just someone that that the key lyricist has has lost. You know, and um, it was quite morose. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you know, for me, there was these moments. Where you know, I think where like the where it kicked, like it was it was beautifully put together in like that first um that first track starts with a drum break and you're like oh shit here we go you know, uh, broom I think is the name of that track and um and you know you just go yep that's Homer Steinweiss um that's that's the dude yeah um so that really set up for me um I felt there were these kind of moments in in the album that I you know it still felt as though it kind of, it's felt like there were these moments where some songs were finding their place in the record. Yeah. Um, there was one song to me that it was almost had like a Paul Simon vibe to it. I think it was, um, I think it was track five B. Well, I'm just having a look here. Be thou by my side. It was uh, to me. There was it was either that or track six. I'll have to remember. But, it, you know, basically all the groove disappeared and it went to like acoustic guitar and it was a really cool touch and it felt like it had a place on the record. Um, the, my only thought was that uh, I just I just got, I lost, I lost a bit of momentum yeah. from an, in an album point of view. Like I felt that um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily need a rest 
at track five. It perhaps could have been a bit later. Yeah. That was my only kind of criticism of the record. But um, I did have a few favourites. So perhaps uh, I'll lead with that and then we'll throw over to you. What do you reckon was? Well, I think, my, uh, yeah, you go for it. Yep. Um, so for me, the standout for me was I was track four, Oh, I Miss Her So. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved it. I loved the songwriting. Um, and it just was, uh, it was just beautiful. The, the vocalist really kind of stretches out there. And, you know, to me that, that really kind of grat, like, you know, smashed that, um, Brian Wilson kind of thing for me. Yes. Um, so I loved that. And then, uh, and then I guess the second one that I really loved was, um, track 11, You Will Always Be by my side forever and i think what i really liked about that song was um it just got a bit bent like the chord progressions really started to bend and uh you know that lightness that was really quite prevalent earlier it started to just go a little bit south there and um yeah for me that those those were those are my two favorites Okay, so from my end, I, got, I, I think maybe I got a bit misled when, you know, the the bio was saying, you know, they, they were writing, well, I guess they were, they said they were playing to soul fanatics and they needed to sort of move and groove a little bit. So I think I wanted, as I said earlier, I wanted to hear more of that. So my two favourite songs in that sense were the, were the two up-tempo numbers, um, one being track two, which was called Hypnosis. And uh, the other one was uh, Didn't You Say, so that was track seven. Um, they were both, you know, the, the, I found, you know, as you said, um, when it sort of went down, it stayed down a little bit um, and I felt like I needed a bit more a bit more fresh air um, through it. Um, maybe, you know, some stronger songwriting at time. But, but you know, I, overall I, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed getting into it and it's awesome to hear that sort of, it's awesome to hear Homer drumming at any time. Mm, totally. Um, yeah. So, Sound like you need a bit, a bit more chili on your souvlaki. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe some, uh, yeah, a chili souvlaki. I'm not sure about that, but um, in that context, I'm going to give it. I think I'm going to give this five souvlakis out of ten. I think right, I'd like to okay. see. I'd like to see what they do. I like. I, I'd definitely give it another go, but I'd like to see a second album. Yeah, no, I hear that. I think, um, yeah, it definitely feels like, it definitely feels like one of those records where, <clears throat> you know, the group have kind of come together. They've written like you know a bunch of songs which are brilliant, but it, you know you're right. Like comparing it to the Karangaban record, that really is like a kind of a statement of sorts. You you kind of really look forward to album two, where like you know the whole project's really locked in. Yeah, yeah, and you know they can kind of. Um, further you know uh i guess juice the the great setup that they've done on this record um i re- I'm, I'm gonna go a little bit higher i i i'm gonna listen to this all weekend i'm 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 in all I'm right quite i'm really into it and i'm gonna go i'm gonna give it i guess i said i can't give it a seven you can give it a seven i could give it a seven i would give okay i'm gonna give it a seven six point maybe a six point nine or seven point one six point nine 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 all right done all right, well, that's uh, Holly Hive's new album. Um, oh, my God, I forgot what it's called again. Holly Hive's new album, Float, back to, it's float back to Float You. Float Back to You. Absolutely. All right, um, album number three is Arca. And uh, have I pronounced it wrong as the resonant linguist you know, on this I, podcast? I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> Shut you me nailed down. it, man. I think, uh, no, no, I think you are... You are all over okay. the of Arca. So we've got Arca and the album is Kick Eye. Um, it's the fourth studio album by the Venezuelan electronic record producer Arca. Um, it was recorded between uh, Barcelona and London, just released through XL Recordings. That's always a big, big up, XL Recordings, some great artists. Um, it includes collaborations with Bjork, Shy Girl and Sophie, Um so this is, as I said, it's Rosalia, her, Rosalia as well. It's, uh, absolutely. Um, it's, mm. she's, this is so she's been producing albums since two thousand and fourteen, um, and has contributed production work to artists such as Bjork, um, Kanye, um, FK Twigs, um, Frank Ocean. So you know, she's a bit of a heavy hitter. Um, what do you think mm. about it, mate? Um, look, you know, I guess. 
in the spirit of, you know, what we're here to do, um, I mean, you know, when we first discussed what we'd, what we'd be reviewing, I guess, I think it sounded, you know, to me, we're both pretty excited to be digging deep into this record. Um, as a piece of work from top to tail, I... I, it didn't it didn't entirely land for me as like a track one to track 12 kind of journey um there were some real amazing moments on it which I think I'd, I'd like to focus on more so than kind of uh go yeah I want to sort of focus on the highlights um for me you know overall I mean Arca's production is just beyond good it's it's just it's always exciting and like specifically in the realm of electronic music um you feel something through all the sounds so Mm. i think on that tip um i mean i was i was emotionally affected by the sounds on the record the thing that came up for me um and you know i mean this is this podcast isn't about you know my own shit but uh, but I, I would like to just kind of like bring this up you know for, i guess you know I, I work a lot of, i mean i work as a producer that's my job um i'm also a songwriter personally um yet i i i seem to find that i like my best output is is when i'm matched with a really killer songwriter mm-hmm. where 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 the production can respond to the brilliant songwriting so for me Track one to five, um, I was just kind of like, okay, this sounds cool, but like nothing had grabbed me until afterwards. Track six, Bjork's track. Yep. Um, uh, there was a song, Kalor, yeah. which was just before that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was like banging, you know, and it was exciting. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but I didn't, I wasn't in yet. Yeah. Like I wasn't, I wasn't in entirely. Um, and I think, I think it, like, it's a testament to Arca as a producer. Um, when 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 the when those gun people show up, like th- the music shows up as well, and Agreed. I think it says a lot about. Um, I think it just says a lot about what you know collaboration is, mm-hmm. and and in particular, you know the kind of obsession that we have in these days in twenty twenty of, you know the auteur being this kind of, you know, special genius of sorts, and um, and I think that 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 misses the point. In relation to why people make music, yeah, and, that's right. Um, it's about you know, connection. So, exactly, and and um, and you know, I think a lot of the time people focus on that. You know, the producer that did it all themselves and uh, wrote the song and mixed the song and did all this sort of stuff, and and sometimes that's not that's not actually. Uh, it may not be the most fun process. It might it might not be um, the process that brings out the the real magic. And I think for me, Arca's ability to build homes for artists in this incredibly unique way is what really shows up in all the collaborations Mm -hmm. so for me um uh yeah that that, that's my overall thing um my favorite tracks were track six uh, which had bjork as a collaborator yes um and and then there was track 11 machote which uh, I got right into. Um, there was something going on there that that really kind of turned me on. So that's my take. What do you? What about you? Was well, as someone you know who's got a production relationship with Bjork, you'd expect some amazing soundscapes on this album. And right off the bat, that's what you get. You know, the frequency spectrum is insane insane you know the neurophone's got to work mm. out on this one like it was crazy good um yeah yeah oh, unbelievable but you know on the flip side like i find this the album itself in its entirety is really quite schizophrenic um you know it's, okay. it's swinging from chaos to order and then back to chaos and then some more chaos um it the the anthemic tunes, you know, have a real cinematic quality and a peacefulness that I really like. But you know that more yep. post-industrial, post-apocalyptic song type. Don't mm. it doesn't really do it for me. You know, actually, it's probably okay. not. It's not that so much. But you know, a number of the tracks they're sort of all in the same vein. And it tends to do your head in. Um, yep. I, I, I'm not. 
I'm not a hater of the genre. I'm not a hater of the electronic genre. Like, I love it. Like, you know, I was there. I was there early. Apex Twin, man. I was there. Eamon Tobin. <laughs> Eamon Tobin. I was so deep into him. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not what this is, obviously. But, you know, that sort of production, yeah. the crazy technical production style, I love it. But I yeah, just yeah. I just can't find the product. I can't find the connection to pull me in on this on this album. I can't find it. Mm. Um, but you know, again, on the, to flip it, so beautiful to hear Björk's vocals on this on this material. Like you can see why this collaboration works. The the everything that she does, you know, her the, her hooks that she has. I love the hooks. You know, it's mm. it's beautiful. Like. I'm thinking, you know, that thinking back to the Brodsky Quartet version of Hyper Ballad, and um, you know, she she does her little hooks, and it's it's awesome. Um, you know, I don't hate this album, but mm. you know, the, the dystopian future, you know, I'm conjuring up. You know, when I'm listening to it, it's not it's not where my head's at, and you know, even though we're in yeah. the middle of a global pandemic, it's it d- doesn't quite do it for me. At this moment, and again, um, you know, yep. it's my opinion. Um, it's our podcast; we can say what we want. And and I think you know, there's Absolutely. so many good parts to this album. And you know, I think we we both know that this producer and that artist, you know, that's that's a match made in heaven, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I think what's amazing is, you know, Ark is a young producer, and I, I mean, I I haven't done like a deep dive in terms of research as to what the relationship of the two are but uh, you know there's a like isn't it amazing when you see uh you know an artist who's been influenced by another artist and then they're working together and i think you know that really shows up again and, and really highlights the beauty of that collaboration um then you flip it and you look at some of the you know the collab with rosalia um who's a younger artist you know that that as you said that sort of dystopian electronic mayhem perhaps we're not in that time you know what i mean maybe maybe that was a that 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 was like a kind of reaction to um to you know guitar based music that was happening in the 90s and is is that is that a thing in in a particularly in a in a year where the clubs are closed you know yeah. what i mean you um, can make the argument to say that that's you know 2019 maybe that's what it was but right now at this yeah. time you know, maybe that's not, you know, the it's it's not connecting with the public psyche, yep. the, the zeitgeist. Mm, agreed. Wow, I'm so glad we used that word this week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've used a lot of big words this week. Maybe too many. You have. You've been you've been really impressive. Just um, don't, just what don't. do you reckon? What do you reckon about? What do you think about it? score out of ten, mate? Oh well, let's, I mean, the two songs for me before I, I go any further. Um, as you talked about, um, the Björk mm. collab, obviously beautiful, and Kalor, which was the track preceding that, I I thought of like that as well. There was a stillness to it. Um, mm. In terms oh, of rating, <laughs> in terms of uh, out of ten, I think I'm gonna, I think we're gonna be on the same page here. I'm gonna go four out of ten. Yeah. Um, look, we don't agree on lots, and uh, I think. Uh, I think you've uh, you've landed on it. I'm I'm also a four. Um, you know, I guess my disclaimer is uh, I'm not a uh, I'm not an aficionado on electronic music, n- nor claim to be. Um, but as you said, there you know there is electronic music that really sort of, I guess in in these sort of uh, in these more sort of underground genres, you know, you're you're up against a challenge that when you when you put something out, you almost need to be like making a statement that just absolutely crushes anything that came beforehand. Yeah, um, agreed. I think it's a pressure that comes with really niche sort of music. Yeah. So for me, I guess in the, in the canon of you know amazingly produced electronic music, this is fucking awesome. But has it has it done something to my life? Probably not. So for me, it's a it's it's a four out of ten. Look, if I had four Sivlakis, I'd be happy. Like four Sivakis out of well, ten. You'd be full. Yeah. You'd be absolutely, you'd be full. You would not be walking out of the restaurant. You would be wheeled out. If you looked at it that way, that's a really good way of looking at it. I think we should stop there move yeah. on to the next album. Let's do it. All right. Natalie Slade, Control. All right. So Sydney-based artist, 
Natalie Slade. Um, she dropped a new album, Control. It's out on Eglo Records. Uh, I mean, this one lives deep in that future soul sphere. Uh, guess, a, guess a heap of um, peeps doing this kind of thing on the Melbourne scene. Um, Mika Wallace and Lee Fisher, Rory McDougall. Um, James Bowers, Bender, Paul Bender from Hiatus, um, played bass on most of it, produced a couple of the tracks. Um, it's like a Melbourne yeah. royalty album in terms of um, that sort of style. Um, yeah. You know this is going to like tick a lot of boxes for me, don't you, Eric? Look, um, I think... There was it was never in question that uh, this record would be featuring on the inaugural the inaugural podcast. I think uh, it, you 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 could you could uh, you could be confident in saying perhaps was a uh, you know this podcast was your idea and uh, <laughs> uh, it could well it could well be that uh, this you know the whole thing is just a setup to talk about this record. This is um, my album. So this is this is yeah, it. This absolutely. is my music. Yeah. It's well, let me talk about it. It's it's dense, man. It's it's interesting. It's musical. There's unexpected turns. You know, it, it grates and then it resolves magically. Natalie's voice is beautiful. It's ethereal. It's velvety. It's got that mid-range quality to it that sits and mixes perfectly. Like, like I always, I liked her earlier stuff. You know, the stuff that she'd done with Catalyst and Steve Spacek. I think she'd done some stuff with the Plutonic Labs. It's like there's this one track, I can't remember what it's called, but it had that real sort of mad villain, fancy clown vibe about it. And it was kicking. It was mm. awesome. Um, yeah. The way she delivers her vocals, you know, lends itself really well to storytelling. You know, she delivers them beautifully. Um, Simon Maven produced this album, you know, it's straight out of the hiatus, um, the hiatus Cody playbook. It's got the, uh, the organically recorded drums which sit underneath these dreamy synths that that he does and the neo soul chords are just awesome um I, I get a i get a vibe that you know it's got some sort of betty wright quality to it i sort of hear that sort of home is where the hatred lives mm. comes to mind that sort of gil scott heron um sort of scene i don't know why i'm getting that but i've really yeah, 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 yeah. I'll go into that. I'll go into that. And then, um, you know, the production, it's it's super modern, but it's also got a 70s soul vibe to it. And that gets, if you get this on vinyl, which I managed to to get, that sort of denseness really goes a whole nother layer deeper. And it's it's beautiful on vinyl. Um, mm. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to get nitpicky because when I really, really, really love something, I, I start looking for, for flaws only because it's like, you know, let's just get that 1% fixed up. I don't know why, but something, you know, well, it's, OCD, you know, OCD I mean, about it, me. It's probably, it's probably your, um, your footy background. Oh, really? That, the 1% know, is? is coming up. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's all well and good to, you know, kick goals from the boundary line, but are you under the pack? Yeah. <laughs> That's always something more. It's never perfect. That's really sad. Maybe it's never that's perfect. Uh, that's maybe uh, uh, I look back at my upbringing. Actually, I'm not going to go there. But um, let's uh, talk about the if I'm, if I'm going to get nitpicky, I, I just think that maybe sometimes there's a sameness of tempo and key signatures and frequencies. Mm. Um, and you know, I. Oh, that's really being nitpicky. Like I think, as a as a body of work, this album is, kicks uh, that goals. Is, that is nitpicky. That's <laughs> it. Kicks goals. This album. That don't, is, don't get me wrong, I mean... dude. Anything in the higher spectrum is it's working for me. And her voice is a revelation, and this album is a revelation. And I cannot wait to see what the second and third album is. If this is the start, what do you reckon, man? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, you you were instrumental in in getting me on this uh, on this artist. Um, there was that live video that was on YouTube yes. with all the synths, humidity, and she was lying on the floor, and I was like, okay, this is fucking awesome. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna get around this, and uh, you know, I'm really glad that you know you you introduced me to that because uh, look for me. This was, you know, very. I've got a lot of a lot of similarities. I'm going to deep dive into this. I'm also going to, I'm also going to potentially start some shit between Melbourne and Sydney. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but but I think it's an important thing to pick up. And I think, go Eric. Um, 
Okay. So, so the Melbourne and Sydney scenes, you know, like each have their own magic, and when they and when they come together in the perfect storm, the the output is 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 what we see here. What a great and, thing to uh, say, right? Um, and I think what 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 I'm feeling on this, like like the you know. I'll talk about the vocal first and foremost. I mean, Natalie Slade's not fucking around. She is a dead set, brilliant singer. And I, I think I think having cut her chops in Sydney and then come to Melbourne to collab with this crew, that's really worked for her here. Yes. I think I think rich tones like Natalie can often get can often get missed in a city like Melbourne because there's a there's a breadth of brilliant artists, and and I think artistry in 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 Melbourne is is often prioritised more so than uh, execution and skill level. Yes, it's um, understated. It's very understated. That's right. So 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 seeing this thing come to fruition, Natalie Slade is a bona fide brilliant vocalist, and 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 because of that sort of uh, pedigree. Um, and having earned that pedigree, potentially not in a Melbourne scene where maybe that level of rich tone might have gotten missed and might have been boxed in other places, this one just really pops for me. That's really um, interesting. You know, so I mean, I reckon we're gonna. This this is probably gonna be a longer conversation in 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 future weeks. But I might just get down to the things that that I picked up on the record. Um, so I mean, from from the get go, cloud cover, you know that first BV section, such a such a deep tone setter, with like that psychedelia that we've talked about in Karangaban and mm-hmm. um, also hive. the Holy Hive stuff. Yep. And the thing that I loved, you know, um, where you just go, okay, these people, these people, uh, they're serious people. Is was like, we'll just give you a, like a few seconds of that. Of that BV, you know what I mean, and yeah. we're not gonna like we're not gonna sit there for too long. We're just gonna say, "Hey, this is what we're about." And I, I felt that like to open the record with such a short and lush intro on track one was just genius. Yeah, how um, well is that song structured as well? So well structured. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then you know, I uh, I like like my ears sent me to like a mini Ripperton place. Yes. Okay. Um, yep. Uh, and then there was like I'd love if someone can help me find the song because uh, I ended up digging for about thirty minutes whilst listening to the record for the song that it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably sing the hook. Maybe um, don't. Maybe don't do that. Okay. I'll, I'll, no, I won't do that. All right, that's cool. So cloud cover, great, great start. You know, humidity like just kept the kept the ball rolling. That hook, it just hits you straight away. And for me, it was like a kind of love child of flowetry, the E satisfaction, and D'Angelo yes. just all mushed together. Yes. Um, you know, then we move on to control, and oh. I mean, you know, the production so cool. You know, that bent vocal tone. Yeah, we're going deep. And interestingly, the mel and the melody almost was like tapping this like late nineties UK club thing. Yeah. Um, which again, I just think. I think that would never fly from a Melbourne singer, <laughs> but I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to keep that. I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I know I'll what you're saying. The war. But, no, it's not a Do war. You know like, I mean? pe- people come in from different scenes and then bring their own thing in to a scene that exists, and and sometimes the collaborations can be beautiful, and it, and it has been in this case. Mm. We're springing something fresh. And then give me totally, totally. That's really exciting. And then you know you move on to give me your love, oh. and for me, I was just like. Ronnie Sires, New Forms. Yeah, yeah, Goldie. We're, we're here, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, who has been brave enough to kind of like step into that zone for the last 15 years, you no. know? Give me that arm and break. Um, yeah. Oh, so good. Um, you know, and then Love Light for me, another just absolute highlight. Um, real great gear change. And, you know, looking at the kind of album context. You know, it just it, it does the thing that an album should do. It takes you on a journey and 
you know, I, I mean, my notes on that was like I just cocooned in in that psychedelia. Oh, me too. Love, like, I mean, that was one of my top know? two tracks. Like that, that I, I think I've written down here. Like it's got that sort of psychedelic off kilter production, and then her voice mm. and her storytelling just sort of anchors the whole song around the sort of craziness. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, letter to myself. It was again really super interesting production. I think that was the one with the kind of really cool recorded like either it's guitars or bass guitars mm-hmm. um the melody was dope um and and there was a boldness in in these really raw vocal takes that was like melodyne out the window and that's not a criticism that's like that's like a back yourself in kind of situation it was yes. like this is this is the voice here you know and i i, I get really excited when um producers just like you know go back to like what's the take you know like what's what's the thing and 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 i really felt that there and you know control oh no so i've already done control haven't i um yeah i'm going back yeah i mean like look, can i, can I go like, on and on about this like i'll just jump in like I, I think a good example of that sort of leaving that vocal take too like my like one of my favorite songs is sunday morning the last track what a beautiful way to finish an album mm. but um you know some, sometimes the vocals like you could see that, you know, she could have done a perfect take on that, but she was going for some of those high notes and it wasn't perfect, but like, oh, it was so beautiful. Like, you know, it, it, it had emotion and, you know, just leaving it in like that just gave it a depth. Yeah. Mm. Yep. All right, let's go to the score. Oh, oh no, are we going score or are we going favorite, favorite tracks? Oh, favorite tracks for me, um, Love Light. Love that song so so deep. When I mm. like, I loved Humidity when it came out, and Love Light was the second single. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. okay, but it just grew on me. And now I'm just like, I'm so deep into that song. And the mm. opener, Cloud Cover, like it sets that whole album up. As you were saying, what a way to start. We're, we're in. Um, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. Look for me. I. I mean, give me your love. I was just. I just got so excited by that. I was like, you know, it just reminded me of, you know. My first year uni days on pingers at the lounge, <laughs> and um, you know, I was, I was just, I was, I was there, man. You know, so give me your love for me was just that that I just that really stood out, and uh, and humidity for me, you know, the the neo soul like the like that kind of classic neo soul thing. Yeah, I mean it. You know, it's been done to it's been done to death, and. Um, and th- and that's 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 cool. Like it's great because so many people love that sort of music. Well, when it's done but well, every now and again. But that's right. And every now and again, someone comes and just like, like you know, goes there. And and it, and Natalie Slade has gone there in the best way possible, and has hit all of the good shit whilst whilst really not being too referential and and really still being herself. So yes, that. That to me, those two are those two are. Uh, oh man, I would have put humidity. I would have put humidity in, but I actually think that that live clip of it is actually a better version than the album version, unfortunately. But you know, they're both amazing, yep, yep. amazing versions. All right, what are we giving that? Ten. Wow, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going in, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going in. I'm going in for a ten. I kind of feel that it's, if- it's a ten. I kind of feel if I've given Krungbun eight out of ten, I don't know. Oh man, I, I, I'm going to give it like I definitely going to give it a nine. I, I don't know. If Ooh, it's, okay. I don't know if it's a ten. Well, I mean, I'm going to give it. Got to give it somewhere to go. Though, like, true, but like, I mean, like thinking just about you know you've t- you've brought up the story factor here. Yes. And, and you know, if we're looking at an album from beginning to end and, and something happening, you know, you you know you don't reckon. This one legitimately stands up, and you know, and really is 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 a thing. It is a great album. It is absolutely a great album. And me giving it a nine out of ten is a great album. That's I, like a ten. That's I, like a ten. <laughs> Anything over eight. That's like an me. eleven. That's right. That's that like was a, was as nines like a fifteen. I just like there was I got uh, there was some things that I picked it from about. Um, so, like, for that reason, I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. But, God, it's beautiful. I love it. I love this album. It is. It is. It is great. All right. Should we do the last one? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, <sighs> thank you if you've, if, you've, if you've hung out with us until now. Um, let's, let's go. Well, we promise the next one will be as half as long. But, you know, when we get together, 
<laughs> the the it chances of uh, a lot of shit talking. Rattle. We do rattle on a little bit, oh, don't hi. we? We do. All right, let's do it. Chloe, Chloe X Halley on Godly Hour. Chloe X Halley could be Chloe and Halley, but let's go. Let's go Chloe X Halley. Let's just, you know, phonetically pronounce it. Okay, this is one you picked, you know, so they're uh, American R&B duo sisters, Chloe and Halley, Bailey, um, signed to Beyonce's Parkwood Entertainment label. Uh, they released their EP, Sugar Symphony, in 2016, a mixtape, The Two of Us, in 2017, and their WWE album, The Kids Are All Right, in 18. Um, unlike a number of their luminaries, they write and arrange a large amount of their material, as well as play a heap of instruments on the album, which you'd have to say, Eric, is not really the norm in the R&B super producer multi-writer scene. Absolutely. I mean, I think going through the credits, it, it's it's pretty cool to see that, you know, both Chloe and Halley are absolutely the producers of this record. They're the writers of the record. You know, there are some collaborations, but it's not, uh, the list doesn't go for, you know, two A4 pages of co-writers. These these two women um, are, are the real deal, uh, you know, b- before they... Uh, before they kind of you know landed in the pop world, they you know it was a they were, it was a guitar player and and someone on electronic instruments. Mm-hmm. They're, they're absolutely masterful musicians. Um, Beyonce has obviously gotten right behind them. Um, yeah, uh, let's do it. Let's get into it. You talk. You you go first, mate. Tell me about it. What do you think? Okay. Well, Chloe, I mean, I've been on Chloe and Halley, Chloe X Halley, since their record from 2018. The kids are all right. Um, so that really got me into them. I, I thought that album was just uh, was really, really awesome. Um, you know, I, I mean, we're not here to review that record, but like, if you if you if you haven't if you haven't gone into their world, just check out the 2018 record. The kids are alright, and then listen to track five. It's just amazing. It's called Everywhere. It's a real masterclass in um, in in uh, in how to really put to put a kick drum and a bass together. Anyways, I'll stop there about that record. Let's get into what what uh, what we are here to do, which is review Ungodly Hour. Um, okay, as an album, yep. As an album, um, I was a bit underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought there were some really good moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a few highlights. Um. But broadly, looking at the track one to track 13 experience in comparison to the other records that we've looked at today, I, I, I felt that this, this was a record made as a, a, a collection of songs to be listened to individually on Spotify as, a, as opposed to, you know, a piece of wax that yep. you chuck on and, and hang out with. Um, so for me, I thought, you know, the songwriting was cool. You know, the performances are great. Um you know, uh, I mean, I can. I mean, I'll go into my. I'll go into my favorite few songs, and I feel as though they really kind of hold the album up. Um, my favorite song was "Busy Boy" track seven. Yeah, it's just what a great song! It's so great. Yeah, it's so great. Um, like if if anything, open up the album and go to track seven, "Busy Boy." It's so much fun. Um, it's yeah, it's unreal. Um. You know, I think listening to a few of the songs that I was like, oh, shit, this is really cool. Um, in particular, the song beforehand, Un- Ungodly Hour, mm. um, you know, gave me that kind of internet vibe, Steve Lacey stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, straight away, I'm on the credits going, okay, surely Steve Lacey's involved in this. Well, but no, it wasn't well, Steve I, Lacey, it was Disclosure. I got um, uh, um, very Anderson Pack vibes on that one. Yeah, yeah. So those those were the, my two standouts: "Ungodly Hour" and "Busy Boy." Mm-hmm. With um, "Don't Make It Hard," "Don't Make It Harder on Me," track eleven, kind of getting a sort of runner-up award there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I think you know, and then uh, but I think you know what really defines the the album, perhaps not kind of doing the thing that it did on 2018's "The Kids Are Alright" is the final track, "Royal." Where you're just like, okay, this song's cool, but like, why is it on this record? Hmm. That was that was my question. It's like, it's, it, 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 you know, every now and again, you know, you look at an album and they'll just go, they'll sneak in the, the, the last track as like, a, okay, we're going to try this one out. Um, you know, we'll try this vibe out. But for me, it, it felt 
it felt completely bit, out of place. It's a bit disjointed. Yeah, yeah. What do you reckon was about uh, the whole album? Like, did you enjoy hanging out with Chloe and Halley for the first time? To be honest, it it grew on me, this album. Um, I, I was a little dismissive of it on first listen, you know, as a middle-of-the-road modern R&B release. Um, look, as a general rule, I'm not a massive fan of the overall trend of R&B music reflecting modern hip-hop, which is sort of primarily beat-driven and having the vocals carrying the harmonic and chord structure as opposed to an instrument, that that's, that kind of annoys me. Like I'm more of a, you know, it's personal preference, obviously. What um, do you mean? What do you mean? Well, when they get the vocals, the harmonies to, to do the job of what a, a keyboard would do or a guitar would do to play chords. So it's, uh, it's yeah, yeah, kind, see, of, kind of beat-driven and then the vocals do the work. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not a massive fan of that style and I don't like that. You know, modern hip hop yeah. has gone down that road, so it's just not what I'm into. Um, yeah, but like when when I put the headphones on, this album came to life for me. Like, there's a heap of subtlety going on in the background. There's layers which mm. sort of you know start shining through, and you know some of those sort of lush Solange style harmonies. You know, they hit hard. They're, they're, there's some really good moments, yeah. as you were saying. You, but like you, on the flip side, the writing for me at times is a little bit hit and miss. Um, and some of the misses get hidden behind the immaculate production as well, I think. So when you yes. sort of yes. when you dig a bit under the production, you go, ah, oh, maybe there's not a lot going on here. Like, you know, it's a small criticism, but sometimes would you, could, would you liken it? Would you liken it to like uh, you know a, a you know some kind of uh, luxury car that? <laughs> what do you mean? In what sense? Well, uh, you know when you know, it, like it, 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 you know, it just it it does all it does all the things and it and it sparkles, but like you know, does it do the thing? You know, like maybe it's more like a, like Kia a Jaguar, up. like a, seriously Jaguar. You know, like Jaguars are good cars. I would but, say it's more like um, a Kia, a sports car. You know, it looks ooh, good on the outside, okay. but maybe there's it's not Kia, much. Up, maybe there's not much under the bonnet. It's a yeah, okay, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, no, Look, no, I I totally agree with that. I think in when you're trying to when you feel the need to strip back songs to their bare bones, which is what a lot of modern R and B and hip hop does, I think sometimes it has the effect of stripping some of the soul away as well. Yeah, um, yep. maybe that's more about me and how I like to consume music. Um, other people might it love is that. All about you. That's right. Well, other people love that, and obviously, <laughs> you know, the whole top forty. R&B hip-hop scene is what that is. And it's just, you know, I just like things to be a bit more musical. But, like, you know, I thought, yep. it, as I said, it continued to grow on me and I thought it was a, it was a solid. Um, did I love it? Mm. I liked it. But, you know, as you said, yep. it's it hit and miss. Um, I'd love to hear some K Trinata remixes of some of the tracks Ooh, on here. That would be great. Like, that would be really, really Especially, cool. you know, on, God, on Godly Hours, crying out for that, you know, get the, give it that sort of Janet Jackson, Anderson Pack, you know, Ooh. internet sort of vibe. That would be cool. Um, yeah. So like you, Ungodly Hour was definitely uh, definitely one of the songs. For me, Baby Girl was the standout track, but I do like okay. Busy Boy. But, yeah, Baby Girl, I would have thought you'd love that because it's got that sort of semitone step up, you know, which you love. You love it. You love- <laughs> You love a weird semitone step up in a verse. That's I your... do. I love a semitone <laughs> so I'm step up. I'm very surprised that that wasn't in your. <laughs> maybe you haven't listened to it enough. I oh, know. Maybe you know, or maybe uh, maybe I've just been um, I've been broken. I've been broken by uh, me by, acknowledged uh, me uh, me pointing it out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But um, yeah, man. All right. Well, uh, what do you reckon? Score. Uh... Uh, you go. What did you think? Okay, I think I think um, you know, and I guess we've set the we've set the uh, the scale with I think what we've what, what's what's happened earlier. I think um, I think it's a, it's a it's a six for me, and it's a six for me because Chloe and Halley's bar has been set so high by their last stuff that I would have like like I would have expected more so i think if they if this was their first record i'd be like eight out of ten this is fucking great yeah but just because their last thing was so good 
I'm I'm like it's a six because it, it's 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 a step back for me. Well, funnily enough, I'm going to give it a six too, but for different reasons. I I actually haven't heard <laughs> I haven't heard any of their stuff before, so um, I'm not sort of basing it on anything I've heard before, just what I'm hearing now. Um, but you know, having said that, I mean we've given fairly different reviews. I think I liked it a lot more than you did, but I think I'm still giving it a six. Mm. Six Suvlakis out of ten. Yeah. Six of Larkies out of ten. I think this is probably a good a good time to acknowledge our unofficial um, podcast sponsor, Calimera Savlaki Art. I think with you know, uh, head down, get yourself Savlaki, get a takeaway, um, because you know, fuck, we're in a global pandemic. If it's good enough for the uh, food editor of the New York Times, it's good enough for our listeners. That's right. All of the listeners out there. So, uh, was should we sign off? I think we should. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me in this uh, endeavor, Eric. It's been been a good. Uh, I'm 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 honoured. <laughs> it's, it's been a good start. I think. Uh, let's see if we can keep the next one down under an hour. I think yes. we should... <laughs> let's let's <laughs> do that. I think we said let's half an that. hour. St- yeah, we did say half an hour. Stay tuned for episode two. With uh, there'll be recriminations um, all <laughs> week about the length of this podcast, and maybe the Sydney and, Melbourne uh, scene, and the Sydney Melbourne scene. Um, feel free to shout out. Feel free to start shit online. Um, we're Same. we're here. To, we're here. To, we're here to take it. And uh, and uh, and thank you again for tuning in. All music is good. Dot dot dot. It's the truth. All music is good. And power to anyone who's brave enough to put their shit out there. Thanks, Eric. See you next week, mate.